you up for a story? It's a cool story. Had the kids are not here, but I'm a lot of them know this story already. So it's one of my favorites. It's you can find it in this book, Krishna book. It's got ninety or more different stories about Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead. This is a short summary of the tenth volume or tenth canto, which actually is in four vo- four volumes on the shelf there. Um, this is a summary of an ancient Sanskrit work that's over 5,000 years old. And there's this pastime or story that happens when it's Balaram's birthday. Do you know what happens in Balaram's birthday? Morgan? Oh, yes, there. So... Have we met before? What's your name? Not, not in this life, as I know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my name's Paul. Paul, thanks for coming. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Glad to be invited. To and you're, uh, how do you know Nicole? Uh, we're friends. We've uh, known each other for a while, and she's they, she's always come over here from where she lives, and I live in Dallas, and so sometimes we get together afterwards. Oh. She's invited me, and Valerie, Miss Valerie, invited me. So thanks for coming. Thanks so. for coming. Thank you. Do uh, you have any familiarity with uh, Eastern no, teachings or anything like that? Uh, no, no, sir. So, um, one of the first basic lessons is um, that you are not your physical body. And one way to know that is that the body you have today, not one single cell of it, was the same body you had 10 years ago. None of it. It's, it's, but somehow you're still here. Mother still recognizes this entity. And so the Vedic philosophy says um, uh, that I I am spirit, that I'm not this material form. And so what does that spirit mean? What does that mean? Um, Oftentimes, when we're approaching a spiritual subject, we may just assume that whatever we know materially, it has to be the opposite of that. But that's still thinking inside the box. Um, like, for example, if, if I have a f- f- material body, then if I'm a spirit, then I should have no body. That's kind of sometimes an assumption. More so, especially when it comes to the divine or God, the source um, oftentimes in more philosophical or spiritual communities, the assumption is that God is not a person, it's an energy. Um, you know, it's pervading. It is the original energy that's behind everything. It is without... Uh, because we find in a person, you find so many attributes that are not perfect. Not just in the form, but in like character. Like, there's envy, there's greed, there's uh, arrogance, there's um, lording it over others. Um, so the assumption is that if for for God to be the supreme, then it must be without that. Um, 
And in one sense, it is true. Everything is actually uh, fundamentally energy and different transformations of energy. And uh, the Supreme is that energy also. But there's also what is called the Shakti is energy, and then there's what is called Shaktiman, or the energetic. You've got energy, and you've got the energetic. You have the power, and then you have the power house. You have the sun light, and then you have the sun. Um, like, you wouldn't say it's shine outside. You would automatically connect the powerhouse with that power. You'd say, there's sunshine outside. You don't just say, there's shine outside. And if you say, what kind of shine? Or you don't say, well, where does it come from? Well, it's a sunshine. So there's an understanding that, that there's a connection between the source, uh, the energetic principle, and the energy. And so uh, the ancient literatures of the East say that everything you find in this world comes from the source. Janmad Asayata is a Sanskrit term for the uh, first verse of a book called the Vedanta Sutra, which is basically, Sutra is a genre of literature which takes like big packs of information and puts them in like in a zip drive, like squishes it down. It's really tight. Like maybe you've heard of the Yoga Sutras. You know, Yoga Sutra is the teachings of Patanjali on the, uh, the system of yoga, which is mainly dealing with psychology and a way to emancipate oneself from the uh, fluctuations. Yoga shchitti nirodha, the controlling of the impulses of, uh, on your being, you know, being not controlled by you know, whatever commercial is pushing you to do something. That's a yoga sutra. So it's a type of genre of literature that makes everything really, really small. So Vedanta Sutra is basically taking the essence of the Veda, the ancient literature, um, the essence of it, the end of it, the anta, and putting it in a sutra, putting it in a very small little thread. And so the first one, it says, Janmad Asyayataha. The supreme is that which everything comes from. So here you can find what is wrong with the logic of the assumption that God is without form. Because if hot sunlight comes from the sun, what does that tell us about the sun? Probably, probably pretty hot. I'm, what do you think today? Do you think the sun is a hot thing? Do you think it's bright? It's bright? So whatever luminosity, whatever heat that we experience here with the, just a, a ray of sunshine, we understand that the source is infinitely more potent um, representation of that same energy. And just like the energy, as it goes away from the source, it exhibits qualities that are not found in the source. For example, what is something that light produces that you will not find in the sun? Is it light? 
It's shadows. You say, look, there's a shadow there. There's a shadow. And it's... Uh, now, if, if it had the same potency of the light at the sun, there would be no shadow. As, as, as it gets far further away from that energetic source, it exhibits certain qualities. So my personality is like a ray of light compared to the sun itself. My personality might have envy, greed, lust, anger, hatred, different qualities that are like shadows. But if you bring that light closer and closer back to the sun, it doesn't have those qualities. So the assumption that for God to be a person, then God must have all those bad qualities. And therefore, if we want to understand a divine without bad qualities, we have to say he has no qualities. No, it doesn't have to go that way. We can understand that the, the source is the... Um, I have a friend who used this term, paradigmatic. That's kind of cool term. Paradigmatic means like the, the perfect prototype. Like the, you know, you got the, you know, something you got worked on forever. This is the perfect prototype. So God is the paradigmatic being. Perfect prototype of form, personality, and character. And we are like those rays far away. So they're shadow. Um... Does that make any sense? So, if we go to like a yoga studio and somebody says, um, God is everywhere. I'm God, you're God. God's everything. That is actually partially true. The sunlight is the sun. Partially, not in every aspect. So everything is the energy of God. So it's in a manifestation, an extension of God. But it is different from the energetic. That is a philosophical principle called a chincha beta beta tattva, or simultaneous oneness and difference. And we gave one example of the sun and the sunlight. Another example is a, a drop of water in the ocean. Uh, our friend just made some uh, really esoteric bumper stickers. Um, <laughs> there's absolutely nobody in the world would get it except for like somebody who's like been reading these books for years. Um, so a drop of water shares qualities with the ocean, but it doesn't share quantity. You can drink a drop of water, but you can't drink the ocean. What does a drop of water from the ocean taste like? It the same. Salty. It's a qualitatively the same. But quantity is different. You can't drink an ocean, but you can drink a drop. So quality is the same. Quantity is different. So similarly, uh, our, our spiritual founder, Sri Prabhupada, you see his picture there on the top of that book. Um, he explained that... When a person achieves spiritual liberation, it is not like a drop of water going into the ocean. 
that it loses its own individual being. It's not that you attain some kind of spiritual suicide where you cease to exist. Um, Rather, it's like a, a fish or a shark entering the ocean. So they don't merge. They, they retain their individuality. So the bumper sticker is just a shark, and it says, sharks don't merge. <laughs> like, what's this? this guy has some like bad traffic uh, uh, habits. He just doesn't merge or <laughs> just stays on the side lane or something. I forget the other one. The other one, they're both like really esoteric. Like, the, but the whole point is that you are eternally individual. individual. That's a, a Bhagavad Gita is an ancient spiritual text written 5,000 years ago. And um, the first chapter, the person who was inquiring from Krishna is in a greatly disturbing situation and they're just trying to get some clarification on everything, like how to make proper decisions in life. And then it isn't until chapter 2, beginning with uh, verses... 11 and 12 that the philosophy side begins. And then the first thing he explains is that the Tuevaham never was I, did I, did not exist, nor you, nor all these other people here at this assembly. So the first thing that is asserted by God speaking in this book is that you are eternally an individual and God is an individual. He isn't. And now that may oftentimes, like we said, there's a lot of people who have this assumption that God is not a being, not a person. And one of the reasons is not just that philosophical assumption that uh, personhood um, would include the uh, negative qualities and then how we already refuted that idea. But another reason is that when they're presented with an idea of a personhood of God, that God, God doesn't seem like a nice person. And so they just say, okay, if I'm going to believe in something spiritual, then it can't be that guy because it just doesn't, the presentation doesn't seem very uh, satisfying and appetizing. I think huge percent of people in the world have some interest, some faith, some idea that there's something beyond matter. But what if they say, okay, you want to believe that, then here, and they give, they pull out this like stinky package, like, okay, this is what, if you want to believe in God, this is what you have to believe in. You know, everybody in China is going to hell, you know, all eight, you know, one billion of them, they're all going to hell because just unfortunately they're born in the wrong place and and they, because of that, they're forced to make, you know, they didn't choose the right tradition and they all just went to hell. Um, so I think a lot of people are in that situation where they're, they have some idea that there must be something beyond matter. There must be God, a light, or something. But what they're presented is like, no, no, okay, if I have to, if I want to believe in God, I have to believe in that and forget it. Uh, it's maybe next slide. <laughs> I'll think about that again next life. So, yeah, the idea that God is this, is not just a person, but he's actually uh, um, loved in the spiritual world, not out of force, but just out of his own character. 
In fact, in this world, what we look for is Krishna. So I have a little statement here by good old George Harrison. You guys want to hear something written by George Harrison? It's really sweet. So he says, everyone is looking for Krishna. Some don't realize it, that they are, but they are. Krishna is God, the source of all that exists, the cause of all that is, was, or ever will be. As God is unlimited, he has many names. Allah, Buddha, Jehovah, Rama, all are Krishna, all are one. God is not abstract. He is both the impersonal and the personal, the energy and the energetic. Aspects of his personality, which, are, which is supreme, eternal, and blissful, and full of knowledge. As a single drop of water has the same qualities as the ocean of water, so our consciousness, the qualities of God's consciousness. So just that first point is that everyone is, we all desire, spirit, not spiritual necessarily, but uh, relationships of love that don't end. We may have some kind of bitter experience, but it's something that we would hope to have some, some uh, satisfying connection. Even if it's, uh, you know, if we're in a nice situation, some, oftentimes we want to share it with somebody or maybe even another creature, another animal. We like to have exchanges of affection. It's the nature of the soul. And the soul's soul mate is the supreme. Because he is the all-attractive being. He is, nobody else really fits what we're looking for to the full degree. Um, the kind of uh, affection that the soul is looking for is not ending, is not subject to be destroyed by time. Looking for something. And even just the situation, how many of you are like, yay, can I sign up for a house that I know is going to get flooded, you know, fall off a cliff. But, you know, let me spend $400,000 on a house that I know, I want to guarantee that it's going to fall off a cliff and I'm going to lose all my money. With no, and then there's no insurance to cover it. No, we, we're hoping for something that isn't taken away by time. So that was just a lead into the story. So here's the story. So, um, if we look at uh, the pastimes of Krishna, the pastimes of the Supreme Being, you can't expect anything to be uh, ordinary. It has to be extraordinary. Now, if somebody is God, then they can't just do some boring things. You know, they've got to do something extraordinary. So, uh, one day, it was Krishna's brother's birthday, Balaram. Uh, we can get into that later. That's like a whole other... It was his brother's birthday, and on birthdays, you know, parents have you get all dressed up, and they sometimes have you do some religious ceremonies. So he, he was actually, he stayed home to get ready for the party. And Krishna and his friends, they went out to, how many of you read um, Peter Pan when you were a kid? I, was it the novel, or was it like, the, the, you ever read the novel? 
novel's like really sweet. It's like straight out of the Vedas or something. <laughs> it's really sweet. So they just had like happy adventures throughout the day, you know. And so Krishna's friends, they they just graduated kindergarten. They are six years old. It is described that um, uh, Krishna, Krishna's body, although he was at five years old, he, he grew very fast. And it said sometimes exceptional human beings and like royalty at the time, would their bodies would grow really fast. And, and so I don't know, at, I know at age 11, he looked already 16. But at the age of uh, five or six, I don't know what you know around what age he looked like. But he, so him and his friends had just graduated kindergarten, and what what that means is that their their whole family they're cowherd men. Um, maybe we could could you pass that Krishna art book? Maybe we can show some. Thank you. Let's see. So God's a cowboy with blue skin. Just, just check that off in your hand. <laughs> um, there's a book called Heaven is for Real. Have you ever heard of that? It's a made up movie too. And it's a Christian boy who had a, um, while he was on the operating table and his body was in trauma, he had an out-of-body experience. And he describes himself going to the kingdom of God and so many things. And um, I saw one person, they were saying, this book is a scam because Christians believe that you are your body. I was like, well, maybe he's had experience that goes beyond Christianity. <laughs> just just because he, uh, it doesn't fit into the, the book doesn't mean it can't, there's not another transcendental system that can explain. So he had this out-of-body experience. He, like he saw his body. So he, he, he um, was able to, he told his mom, I met my sister, the one that died inside your tummy. And he was all saying all kinds of far out stuff, and so he described uh, he had described how meeting Jesus, and then he said God the Father, so his father his father asked him, it was a Todd Burpo, he asked him, what does God the Father look like? He said that one's a is is a little strange, he's sort of blue. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't think they put that in the movie part. I don't think they realize the, the implications of, of uh, <laughs> what that means to like well, Asian, Asian people. <laughs> okay, so here you can see um, Krishna and his friends. And so Krishna and his friends there we go. Can you see it? Krishna and his friends had just graduated kindergarten and they're given the big responsibility that they can take the calves out. 
Who let the calves out? Moo, moo. Moo, moo. So they let the calves out. Um, yeah. So, and the, the, their fathers would take care of cows and the adults, the adult cows. And so they would all be very excited to go out with Krishna and have their adventures in the, the, the pasture grounds and the forest and everything. They would play tag, who could touch Krishna first, or, you know, all kinds of games. And it said, it was described that Krishna would sit, they would have him sit in the center. The name Krishna means most attractive. And they would surround him like the petals on a lotus flower and he was like the world they said Krishna my mom made this sweet you want to try it? and they just like put it in his mouth yeah mm, that's good yeah and my other friend said hey Krishna you want to try this one? and all the mothers when they made those sweets they were thinking in, the, in their heart of hearts they were thinking man that Krishna is so he's so adorable he's a little mischievous but he's He's so, I wish I had him as my son. He's so sweet. I'm going to make this sweet, and I hope my son shares it with him. Maybe he will. And so the boys, in the same way, would share their sweets with him. And so they're all sitting and having lunch, having their, their daily picnics. Now, I don't know if you notice in the picture, there's a huge swan in the background. And... There is a person actually riding on the swan. Here you can see this is them having it's like Peter Pan adventures, just roaming through the forest. So Krishna, he has he has many expansions. And that way he uh, maintains the universes. So I'll explain. Um, one of them is called the Super Soul. Shiro Dakashai Vishnu. And uh, he is so small that he is in the, in er, in the heart of every atom and in the heart of every creature. And it is that intelligence force that is behind everything. Sometimes there's some intelligence that comes and says like, hey man, that was a sucky thing to do. You should apologize to your friend, you know. You're like, nah, man, he stepped on my toes seven years ago. I'll never forgive him. So is that intelligence that's there. Are the birds are flying south for the winter. Are they fine within nature? So many times that animals will find food that is beyond their sense of perception. Or they'll do things that, that um, or they'll function in a way that they'll, it'll be said, it's instinct. But that's kind of a joker card because there's, there's not actually functioning explanations. How does it take place? How did, how did the, how did the Mali fowl know how to build a six-foot mound of sand and lay its eggs when it never even seen its parents do it or all kinds of crazy stuff 
So the super soul, very, very tiny. And then the next expansion, super soul comes from another form of the Lord who is so big, his body is slightly bigger than the universe. And from this form, uh, there is a great celestial, a great deity, a great angel that is born named Brahma. And his job is to engineer the universe. Have you heard of Brahma? Or four-headed Brahma? So, really small, kind of big. Next one. Next one's much bigger. Next form of the Lord, whom that one comes from, is so big that universes pour out of its pores. Everything we know is one universe. But universes come out of its pores like sweat comes out of ours. His name is Maha. Vishnu, the great Vishnu, Karana Dakshai Vishnu. Then he comes from a form known as Narayan. Then he comes from an expansion of quadruple expansion form. And then he comes from another quadruple expansion before him. And then he comes from Balaram. And then he comes from Krishna. As Krishna says in the uh, 10th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, uh, just a spark of my splendor, this entire universe is supported just with a, a little spark, the entire universe. And so here you see that form that is as uh, big as it, slightly bigger than the universe, is very small compared to the form where the universe has come out of its pores. But he's just an expansion of this, the original source. So that four-headed guy, Brahma, celestial, he, he is a, a powerful entity. He's a soul like you and I, but he's much more, has a, you know, humans are barely ants compared to him. We are barely bacteria compared to his intelligence. There are demigods that control all the, uh, the sun and the energies within the universe, and they are nothing compared to him. And we are like nothing compared to those angelic beings. They're much higher, much higher on the evolutionary chain when you compare it like the different species. They're way more advanced. So he was a little confused when he found out that his father, the source of the universe, was playing tag on Earth. He's like, really? My father, whose body is slightly bigger than the universe, is playing tag? Like, hanging out with his friends and you know, having a good time? Is that really God? So he decides to show off a little bit, and kind of test this character. So while Krishna and his friends are eating lunch, he enticed the calves away. 
He puts him in a sleeping spell and puts him in a different dimension. Then Krishna's friends start to get a little worried. They say, oh, Krishna, where's our calves? Where's our calves? And Krishna says, he he, he knows what's going on. He's playing along, though. He says, you guys, I'll find the calves. Don't worry. Uh, don't, Don't let this disturb your life. I'll go find them. And so we not some of us you see have like some chanting beads. Krishna uses his beads to count his cows. So he went out, he had some food in his left hand, he had some beads to count his cows in the right hand. He went out calling his calves, looking around the you know the forest. And while his he was gone, Brahma kidnapped all of his friends and put him in a sleeping spell, put him in a different dimension. And now Brahma, not only is he uh, way superior to human in, in, in intelligence, his lifespan is insane. His lifespan is the, the, the total time of our particular universe. So that's 311 trillion, 42 billion years. Long time. And... Uh, Time relativity is thought to be something that people attributed to the idea coming from Einstein, but in the Vedic literature, which he happened to read, um, I don't know if it was before or after he came up with the idea, but in the Vedic literature, there's hundreds of stories that involve time relativity. If you go to a higher planet and then go back to the lower planet where the consciousness is different, time passes differently. You might have left for 20 minutes and then years have passed. So Brahma, he was a little nervous. He, he might have just tried to play a trick on his supreme being. So he came back 97 thousandths of a second later. A whole year had passed on earth. In one second, 97,000 years passed in his time. So he came back a year later and he saw the same boys and the same calves that he had already kidnapped. So he was kind of confused. So one day, uh, before this happened, during that year, there was one person who, uh, using their detective skills, figured out what had happened. Uh, the, the boys were on the bottom of this, you see this kind of steep hill, valley, with the calves. And the men were there with their cows on the top of the hill. As soon as the cows saw their calves, they started sprinting down the hill, tail high up in the air, you know, two legs at a time really excited and milk was gushing and covering the entire hill milk is a product of affection when a mother hears her child cry milk starts to pour and the, the men were embarrassed this is like they're showing how to take care of the, the herd and then the herd's running down this big slope and so they're like taking their sticks and they're trying hey stop 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 and then they saw their sons and they started running down the hill, and tears gushing out of their eyes. 
And they picked up their sons and they kissed them. And they said, I love you. I love you. I miss you so much. Oh, my God. I love you. Oh, my God. I miss you. I haven't seen you in two hours. I'm so kissing them all over. And smelling them and hugging them. And the cows are, like, licking the cows. And, like... And milk is still like covering the field, and the calves are—they're too old to drink from the uh, the mother, so they start eating the grass mixed with the milk. And Balaram's just looking at this, Krishna's brother, and he's like, "This is not normal." <laughs> he said, "Only person could pull that intensity of affection out of someone is Krishna himself." He's the only person that can draw that type of affection from someone. So some reason, Krishna's friends are somewhere else, and Krishna became his own friends. He had multiplied his forms to appear just like, exactly like all of his friends. And not only that, all of his calves. So Balaram figured out that those weren't real boys and calves. Those were all Krishna. And they weren't like, uh, like mirage forms or like partial they're all directly Krishna himself now what did all the mothers want they wanted Krishna as their son <laughs> and so he, Krishna he, with one act he'll fulfill many things at the same time yeah, like unlimited intelligence so Brahma came back he saw all the boys and calves he was really confused and then Krishna started to manifest all the boys and calves as his Vishnu forms. And then Brahma, Brahmas from other universes started to come and offer prayers. And he saw this huge, amazing scene. And actually, you should show your daughter. There's a beautiful cartoon rendition of this whole story on YouTube called Little Krishna. And it has this story. Um, Brahma, he came and offered some prayers and said, I'm sorry for kidnapping your friends for a year. Um, Very, very far out. So yeah, Krishna became his own friends for a whole year. And that's the... And if you look in the temple, you have that same kind of painting also. But I always heard, it's not there in Krishna book, but in other literature, that Balaram wasn't there. That's why he discovered it, because he was at his birthday. So, I don't know, Balaram shouldn't be in that painting, unless it was like a preliminary like investigation by Brahma. I don't know. So what do you think? I think the best part was the painting. Oh. Being accurate. <laughs> You want to take a look? So Krishna says in Gita, Janma karma chame devyam evam yoveti tattvata chakta deham punar janma naiti mameti sojana. So janma means what? Karma means what? Action, yeah. my and divyam. So my my birth, my appearance in this world, although, so 
God sometimes will appear in this world. He will uh, take, like, put on an act, like a, an actor on the stage. He'll appear somewhat human-like, but then he'll do things like that. Like, or there's one pastime, and then next year he lifted a mountain with his pinky to help people from a storm. He said, here, I got an umbrella. And he got everybody underneath the mountain and held it up as a six-year-old. Lifting his mountain with his pinky. And that's also in the temple in that painting. So his birth and activities are divyam, transcendental. Uh, one who veti who knows tatvata this in truth. Chaktadeham when he gives up his body, Punarjanma, he naiti, he has no more he will actually no longer have to take birth. If we could because whatever we focus our consciousness at the time of death, that decides where we go. If we're thinking my house, my house, my house in our next life, we might be born as a mouse in that house. If we're thinking, my dog, my dog, my dog, our next life, we might both be born as a dog. If we're thinking, of, oh, I like this girl, and I like this girl, then our next life, we, we are born, and we kind of look like the girl that we had a crush on. You know, we just get the, the end result of our absorption. So if we're absorbed in the Supreme, we go back to the Supreme. And if we don't have that attachment, then we stay here. We've been here for many, many lifetimes. Some of us might have some stock of spiritual life in our past life, and therefore we have an attraction that, that is kind of festered in our heart, that's uh, pushing us towards spiritual knowledge. And then we continue on with that same level of knowledge and a wisdom and attraction as in our past life. And we continue that life after life, but we can just finish it off in one life. Say, hey, I don't, I don't want to chase after the temporary. I want to connect back with my eternal supreme, Krishna. So I'll stop here. Any other reflections here? Let's take a, what's your doggy basket? What's your reflection? I like what you said about uh, unlimited intelligence. Sorry. <clears throat> unlimited intelligence that like uh, Krishna was able to accomplish like a bunch of different things. A, a, a lot of different like story plot storylines oh yeah there's more I just miss. like tie, yeah 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 tie there's a whole bunch just like one one act like you say it's a similar thing but in a way um, because I mean he knows Lord Brahma and Brahma came from him so it's like Brahma's kind of like his child and he didn't want to like chastise him on the spot he wanted him to experience okay you're kind of testing me uh, I'm using this to become the children of this, of, of all the mothers, and I'll be the cows. And then, by doing that, he teaches Brahma. Remember, he was kind of shown off a little bit. And it was kind of like, you know, I can, I can go and like kidnap a whole group of people, put them in it. But it's like showing a flashlight at the sun. It's like, wasn't very significant. <laughs> He was, and he's gonna a hyper intelligent entity, and he was completely confused. He had no idea what had happened. Any? Thanks for sharing. It's one of the most far out stories in Krishna book, isn't it? The time relativity left for a moment, a year had passed. And there's a lot of cool stories in Krishna book.
the story of um, what's Krishna's the marriage uh, when the son that went to I was at Banasura or yeah there's Chichar Lake they, uh, that's a that's a far out one too. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. Om Tat Sat. Thanks a lot. Hare Krishna.